high in the hills of Happy Valley, Oregon. Welcome to Until We Meet Again, brought to you by the kind support of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, and friends like you. I'm Elizabeth Fournier. This radio broadcast is an expression of our common ground and mortality, because after all, we are all in this together. Today's reading is edited and adapted from the writing of 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Confess that God's love operates mightily in my life because I walk in agape love. I protect, shield, guard, cover, conceal, and safeguard people from exposure. The love of God in my heart compels me to strain forward with all my might and believe that the very best in every situation and the best about every person. This love of God that has been shed abroad in my heart never quits. It never surrenders and never gives up on other people. I bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. My guest today is Janet Haney. She's an author and creative journaling teacher who encourages her, encourages her students to be brave and to keep going, just like that right there. She recently wrote Write Your Way Through Change, a 21-day devotional journal for grief and major life transitions. Janet, how's the weather in northern Kentucky today? Oh, hi. Finally, it's sunny. Oh, good. And now the sun's out, so I'm happy about that. Nice. And Oregon, too. Bright, sunny, blissful skies. So it's good stuff over here. Did you do anything fun for yourself today? Oh, I have a little, I have a writing group that met today, and that's always a joy to me. And so um, we're working on Write Your Way Through Change and um, doing another book called Suffering by Paul David Tripp. So, um, that group means a lot to me, and we have become um, a real tribe through um, our common suffering. Do you find that the people who come to your classes, it really helps them to tell their stories when life doesn't make sense by using their journaling? Oh, yeah. Um, it's interesting how even if you're not a journaler, you don't even consider yourself, you haven't written more than a birthday card, Putting a pen to paper and just start writing, it's really remarkable what will come out of your head. You don't even know is rumbling around in there or your heart. And, uh, you know, to me that's the one of the blessings and um, purposes of journaling and, and getting things on paper because it's in there and it just it gives a, a portal for it to come out. And so that's what I've discovered through through journaling and writing and, and just encouraging people to um, to tell their story. And, you know, everyone has a story, and it's it's up to us. Someone needs to hear it. You know, it's up to us to tell it. But during your Write Your Way Through Change workshops, you always have some journaling prompts for self-reflection uh-huh. and self-discovery. How do you arrive at those? You know, I was talking today uh, with, the gr- with the girls in the group, and... Um, they were saying, you know, Jana, how do you come up with those questions? And, you know, honestly, I don't remember actually writing the questions. So I really think it, they're kind of Holy Spirit inspired. They just kind of popped into my head and I wrote them down. And they described the questions as um, 
something, it, it, the, the questions would take them to a place where they wouldn't even think about going in their writing and in what's inside of them. And so um, I think lots of times having a question to think about or ponder helps focus what's in there to come out instead of just sitting down at a blank piece of paper. Oftentimes having something to think about, you know, puts you, in a, puts you down a river and then there's where you're going. You know what I mean? In your book, The Write Write Your Way Through Change, you have tons of these writing prompts, and I'm going to read one right here. It says, in your story of change, using the metaphor of water, do you feel as if you're pushed out of a boat in your life, or do you choose to dive into these new waters? What is that water like? Is your storm or change stormy or dark, deep, scary? Write about what you did when your story of change struck your life and the actions you took. Metaphorically, did you know how to swim? Did you look to the ladder to climb back on board? Did you call for help? How did it feel to find yourself in an unexpected place? Tell that story. Yeah, that whole question really was my story. Um, It started, gosh, um, my little boy died when he was nine in his sleep. Um, My husband, two years after that, discovered he had inoperable prostate cancer and um, that that took him he suffered for many years but it you know finally won and um, and then my own breast cancer and my daughter moving away so I I know what it feels like to be you know pushed out of your boat lots of different times and um, I mean that can happen it happens to everybody it's just the way life is life is Full of suffering and change and transition, and it's um, you know it's what we do with it that matters. And the thing I've discovered is in our place of suffering, it really does become God's treasure if we let Him into that place and look up instead of keep looking down. I know I looked down for many years and you know described myself to myself at, from my place of suffering and. Um, you know, it was hard to lose a child, you know, be a widow, and go through cancer. And, um, but I discovered that that's not who I am. I'm not those things. And God will use those things to, get, to plow up my heart, to make me soft inside so that I can look at someone else and see the soft, hard, the, the hard things that they're going through, because I've been there. I know, what it, I know what it's like to sit on that bench. And so I think that's how God uses our suffering, no matter what it is, losing a job, you know, um, it doesn't have to be um, losing a child or whatever, but transition's part of life and change, and it's hard, because I'm one to, uh, I like to float around a problem for a while and and figure it out slowly. So, anyway, that I do. I I think I like thinking about that being in a boat, and um, and what would it? Be, what is it like for you? So, I definitely like that answer. I think that all of us have one boat, one way or another. Just like they say, everybody has their own cross to bear. Your cross was heavy, though. Just one of those things would have been major. Just finding out you had breast cancer and having a mastectomy or just having your adult child move out of state. But you also had the death of the child, the struggle with the husband who fought with his prostate cancer for two years and then had 
the long and hard fight to only have him pass away. You had some pretty major hurdles here. Yeah, I think you're, yeah, I did. You're right. But the thing about it is I survived. I am surviving. And um, my first book that I wrote was called Hello, Nobody, Standing at the Door Alone, What to Do When Everything Changes. And I have a, um, a quote in that book. Your heartache is someone else's hope. If you make it through, someone else will make it through. Tell your story. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from, even in the journaling and in the classes that, um, that I have, is we all need to tell our story, no matter how we tell it. If it's you know, writing in a journal every day or writing in a journal just when you're feeling down or um, you have a decision to make, some people think, oh, I can't journal because I don't have time to write every day. Well, you don't need to. You can just write when something is pressing on your heart, when something is, you know, you need to make a decision. So um, I feel like, like, like that's what writing, that's the, the place it's helped me, and that's how I got into writing, actually. I used to own a yarn shop. I owned it for 14 years. One day I came home from my shop put my knitting bag down. I just moved out of my big house because I was the only one in there now. Everyone, you know, Georgia died and Sarah was gone and Mark. And so I, I needed a smaller place, just a more Janet-sized house. I came home one day, I put my knitting bag down, and I just yelled out to my house, hello, nobody. I thought, that's the name of my book because that's how I felt. I felt like there was nobody in my life. But And in writing that book, I realized hello, nobody, turned into hello, somebody new. Because that's, that's what God wants us to do. He wants to transform us, to, to take those hurt places and make them his treasure. And, and that, I think when you're on your face in pain and in hard times, in loss, gosh, that's the time that we just need to look up. And he's waiting there. He doesn't waste a thing. He doesn't waste a tear he doesn't waste a circumstance. In your book, Hello Nobody, there is a paragraph that I love greatly. It says, My suffering might open the heart of someone else who is suffering. We can look into each other's eyes and see the hurt because we know. To find someone who understands the things we can't find words to explain brings a bit of healing and hope. That is what God wants from us, to share ourselves, and in doing so, we share his love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm an example of that. I mean, I can speak to that because um, I've discovered that. And I think that's, that's his hope for us, is that we, that we will use our hard times to show his strength and his love. I, I know sometimes, lots of times in my shop, actually, people would, um, they would know my story, and they would come, you know, they would say, oh, Janet, gosh, you're so strong, I don't know, I don't know if you could do that, if I, I don't know if I could do that, I couldn't, couldn't do that, lose a child and a husband, and, and then I would say, you know what, if it happened to you, you could, you could stand it, because we play, we play the hand that we're dealt in life, and sometimes, um, if hard times haven't or loss hasn't come yet, it will. It'll come to you. And um, the beauty is, as believers, we never have to face any of that alone. 
that even if our life changes and it looks totally different, like all the pieces of the puzzle have been dumped on the floor, God will put it back together, our life back together, even if it doesn't look like the picture on the box. He will make us new and give us purpose from our suffering and our heartache and our hurt places. I realize from working in death and dying, I'm a career mortician, that there is no timeline when it comes to healing your spirit and that people Mm -hmm. who are going through loss, they'll have good days, they'll have horrendous days, they'll Mm -hmm. have just okay days, and then one minute you find you're filled with sorrow, one minute you're sort of all right. You know, I know they say time heals. Do you personally feel that time leads to a form of acceptance when it comes to your new aloneness? You know, I think... Time is certainly a factor. Time moves you farther away from the, the hurt or the heartbreak. Um, it, I think time heals in a different way. It doesn't take it away. I think um, time lets you allow God to heal you and to make you new. I think time, time is a factor because um, I know it took me three years to unpack the dresser drawer of my little boy and give his clothes away. Because as moms, we know every shirt and pair of underpants and every, because we bought them. So to me, that was like really, he was really gone. But that was my timeline. Sometimes people can, you know, go in a closet of a parent that's gone or a husband and, you know, right away cleaned it out. I think we're all in, we all have our own timeline. And um, for everything, I think time helps, but time doesn't heal. I think that's, that, that loss, it will always be there because that was part of your life. But the grief and the hurt and the, you know, just the despair that grief can, can open up, I think that can heal with time and with, um, with letting God put, put new blossoms in your life, put new people in your life, you know, be open to what's next. And um, that doesn't happen right away. I mean, that takes time too. But again, it's everyone has their own timeline. So I wouldn't say, oh, you know, time just makes it all better and makes it go away. I think time, God uses time to heal us. But um, I think we have to be open to, to, the, to new things and the new things that time and new circumstances will bring us, you know. Did you have the grace of people around you allowing you to go through your own timeline, or did you feel like there was sort of a keeper of the clock or somebody who said, well, it's been a year or it's been five years now, and it's why aren't you better? Um, did you have the understanding? Because, of course, we know the depth of the pain caused by the loss of a mate or a child. If you haven't lived through it, you just don't understand it. So mm-hmm. were those around you, did they support you in the best way possible? I would say yes and no. And in fact, actually, my next book is going to be about all of that kind of thing. Um, I remember after Mark died, someone said to me, oh, you're young. You can have more children. I mean, people, sometimes they don't, they don't oh, know wow. what to say. Yeah, so that's I pretty bad. I, I had people around me that didn't know what to say and people around me that just came around me and, and didn't say anything. I remember 
Mark died in November, and Christmas came. And, of course, I was in no mood for a tree or anything like that. One day I opened my door, and my friend was there, and she said, Janet, I have a Christmas tree for you, and you're having a Christmas tree. And she had a tree and the lights and the ornaments, and she said, you sit on that couch. I'm giving you a Christmas tree. And to me, that small act of someone just saying, I see where you are, Janet, and you don't need to do anything, but I'm going to do this for you. And then also, that reminds me also that the morning Mark died, my sister-in-law showed up. I mean, it was a shock. We found him. Um, he had died in his sleep. And, uh, you know, the police had to come because it was an unwitnessed death, and the coroner had to bring him down the stairs. I mean, it was horrible, and people showed up to the house. But my sister-in-law came, and she just said to me, Janet, I'm cleaning your bathrooms. You're going to have a lot of people here today. And she just brought all the stuff clean my bathrooms. So just small acts of service like that means so much. And that definitely was somebody just coming around and saying, Janet, we don't know what to do. We've not done this, but we're going to do this for you. I had read a story about a man who had his father die, and him and his wife were realizing they had to get plane reservations to go out of town and they needed to worry about the three small children that they had that they probably needed to bring with them or get sitters, and they need to, to worry about the pets and all these things. And a guy from the church just said, okay, I'll be there in a half hour. And he showed up, and he asked all of those people in the house to just go amongst their business, and they'll be fine, and he will help themselves to the closets, and he's going to get all of their shoes, and he's going to shine their shoes. And he brought his papers and his shines, and he went out to the garage, and he laid everything down, and he set up a little area there. And he spent about two hours shining and buffing all of those shoes, and he thought, well... If they're going to be getting on an airplane or greeting people or just having to survive their life, being able to walk in grace, he really felt having clean shoes would somehow allow them to do that. And that's really just like your family member coming and cleaning your toilets. It's huge. Yeah. It's, and it's also cleaning away, hopefully, some of the pain, some of the unknown, the cobwebs, the gray. It was just a really, really lovely gift that she gave you. Yeah, and it was uh, it was a small act. It wasn't something big and huge. So I th I mean, I try to tell people, um, you know, don't just say, "Oh, I'll pray for you," you know, um, or "Give me a call if you need anything." I mean, people said that to me all the time. If, you know, for all of my circumstances, and I didn't call anybody because. I never called anyone, you know. Um, I think we just don't do that. I think it's weird to say, hey, come over and pick up groceries for me, or I need you to walk my dog. Or I think maybe it takes more work assigning somebody all of the tasks, don't you uh -huh. think? If somebody yeah. had said to you, okay, Janet, I'm just going to water your flowers every morning, exactly. I mean, are you really going to say no? No, and you're going you're gonna to appreciate that so much. You I mean, you can't even you know, describe how much that would mean, just something small like that. Yeah. Okay, so I think listeners probably listening are thinking, oh gosh, you know, I sent a cheese platter. Was that a bad choice or should I have done <laughs> no, a small personal it? gift? No. So no, probably it's... anything, like you're saying. anything, yes. Anything that, that you're prompted to do is 
is perfect. You know, I don't think anybody should feel bad, except that lady that said I could have more children. Yeah, that would have been better if she just said, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say, even though that seems a little bit empty. That would have been better than saying something which actually was damaging to you. And really sometimes saying nothing, like just coming over and sitting, you know, just arm around you, that must, you know, just saying, I don't know what you're going through, but I know it's horrible. I just can't imagine. And just sitting there, you know, I think in Job, in the Bible, that was the mistake that a lot of his friends gave when they came to visit him. They were criticizing him and giving him all kinds of advice. And really, he just wanted them to come and be with him. Just be company. So. And I wonder if others say, oh, gosh, but that's going to be so sad. I'm going to be in this quiet house, and I might have to see her cry. And I don't know what to say, and it's better or maybe just easier to stay away. You probably found that a I'm couple sure. times. People probably yeah, shied sure. away from you when you yeah. thought, well, wait a second, gosh, just a quick you know, phone call would have made the times, difference. Exactly. A lot of times I felt like people looked at me, and I was like their worst nightmare. And when I, know, when I sensed that they were uncomfortable, I would – I would speak first, and I would say, I really miss Mark today. And that would kind of like, that's my little boy. That would kind of break the ice. So sometimes, as the griefee, the, you have to um, speak of their person. Because a lot of times people will say, what, you know, they'll say, ask me something, and they'll say, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to mention your husband. I didn't want to make you sad. And I always say, you can't make me sad. I am sad. Mm. But you... You know, as the griefie, the person going through the grief, you you want to talk about your person. You want to talk about the loss. And if you don't, then and you just can say, you know, I, I can't talk about that right now. But but lots of times I've found I wanted to say something. I wanted to say something about George, my husband, or Mark, my little boy, or even about my cancer. Just say, gosh, you know, it's, it's crummy I have to do this whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. I would like to ask you too, can you give some sort of practical advice for people on how to handle the holidays? I imagine the birthday of the person who passed away, let alone when Christmas comes, because that's sort of this happy thing for most yeah. of America. What's your advice for that? Whew, that is hard. I know. I mean, because the whole is there and it's obvious. Um, one thing, this isn't necessarily about a holiday. I'll get to that. But one thing we started doing, it's when Mark died. We, his anniversary of his death was coming up, especially his first year. And I, I was, you anticipate it like a week in advance or more. You know that it's coming, and you don't know how you're going to feel, and you don't know if you're going to be a puddle on the floor. You don't know what you should do. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to go anywhere. And so we decided as a family we would call it his heaven birthday. So when Mark's, when that day came, we celebrated him. We did something that he would want to do. We went to the zoo and we ate hot dogs and, you know, whatever, just to celebrate him. So that kind of became our tradition. And we have that for George, my husband, um, also Sarah and I, my daughter, do, and I do. So we call it their heaven birthday. And so it, it kind of changes, changes the atmosphere so that you're wanting to, instead of, Grieve the day that they died. Celebrate them on that day. And but for holidays and things like that, um, 
it's just hard. I don't know. <laughs> I guess everyone just, whatever their tradition is, um, you know, it's hard to make a new tradition. But, I mean, they're not forgotten. That's the thing. And to speak of them and to include them as much as you can in your thoughts or your memories or get pictures out or just, so I would say just celebrate them. And that's easy to say, hard to do sometimes. As I listen to you, Janet, you have such a, a soft, nurturing voice. I'm curious if you have begun the process of recording your audiobooks yet. That's so funny you asked that, because I just spent the last three days in my closet recording Hello, Nobody. <laughs> I, can, I can see that being really <laughs> pleasurable to listen to. You have just such a lovely voice and a lovely, just a, a, a nice sort of mommy presence about you. It's wonderful. Oh, thanks. Boy, that was hard to to uh, read my book for three days. And the microphone, I had my um, I had a producer, and she had the earphones, so I never heard my voice. And she had my book. Um, she had the computer, and she's recording it. And she had my my book. And every um, every time my finger cracked, or my stomach growled, or I moved my foot, we had to start over because it was uh, the mic was so sensitive. But, um, but yeah, we decided to just do an audio of that. That'll be available. Um, it's at the editors right now. So that'll be coming out. But thanks for saying that. That gives me um, courage to know that maybe that wasn't a waste of three days sitting in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now you're out of the closet. You'll have audio books. Yeah. That's fantastic. Where can people find those once they're recorded? Uh, they'll be on Amazon. And then my website is jhaney.com, the letter J, Haney.com. And they can sign up to, um, every once in a while I do a free journaling course. Um, they could sign up for that for the next time I do that. Or I have a blog on my website. And the, so you can get the book there, but, it, it, but that would just um, get you to Amazon because that's where both books are, and then the audio. So write your way through changes there, and hello, nobody, and then the audio will be there. And I see you write your way through change workshops always seem to be filled up, so you're quite popular there in northern Kentucky, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy doing that, so um, I'll be doing that again soon. But, yeah. So tell me about one activity that just fills you with joy. Well, it's funny you use the word joy, because every year I pick a word for the year. And last year, actually, my word, my word was two words. It was be still. And this year, my word is joy. Yay! And I decided that instead of waiting for joy to come to me, I was going to look for it. I was going to, because I've been waiting for it to show up. Um, I want my daughter, who lives out of town, to have a baby, and all my friends are grandmas, and I'm not, and... You know, I'd feel sad about that, and I decided, you know, Janet, quit waiting for it to happen to you. Just look for it. And so that's been um, that's been interesting to just I don't know to just look for joy, and um, it just brings a real peace to not be so worried about um, oh, I don't have any joy in my life. You know, I'm by myself and feel sorry for myself. But, you know, I go for a walk, and gosh, those clouds are beautiful, and it just, you know, changes the whole atmosphere of my 
of my thinking. So what brings me joy is looking for it, I think, for this year. You've been listening to KKPZ, 1330 AM, The Truth. Thank you to my guest, Janet Haney. And until we meet again next week, be excellent to each other.